Time once again for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are things? Well, things are melting, and I'm glad to see it. <laughs> amen, amen, oh, amen. I don't know if, if winter's ever going to be over. No, it's like the movie Groundhog Day, I think. It's just Absolutely. Like what what Absolutely. can we talk about today? Today I thought we'd talk a little bit about varietal aficionados. People that say, you know, I'm a Cabernet man, or I'm a Pinot Noir man, or give me anything, but don't give me Chardonnay, etc. Well, that's all well and good, but you're missing a lot of wonderful wine from around the world by being so varietal uh, intense, if you will. Uh, you know, years ago when I started out in this business, uh, the wines from California were called Hardy Burgundy and Chablis and things like that. Uh, but it's changed completely now. Uh, you know, and I was lucky enough early on to become good friends with Frank Soonmacher and Alexis Lachine. And uh, really, Soonmacher is the fellow who's given credit for going out to California. Actually, he was paid by Almaden at the time, which was a big winery in those days. And Almaden paid him to come out and advise them on how to market their wines. And the first thing he told them all was throw away all those French names and start using varietals. At the time, no one in the world was using varietal names except in Alsace in France, where they have uh, Gewurztraminer, which is the name of a grape, and Sylvaner, another grape, and Riesling, another grape. Uh, but all the rest of France and most of the European countries use the geographic names rather than the specific names of the, the vines themselves, the Vitis vinifera. So Frank Schoenmacher was a real pioneer in that and, you know, begged them to call the wine Cabernet Sauvignon or call the wine Merlot or call it Chardonnay or Sauvignon Blanc, etc. And Schoenmacher had a Minnesota connection because when Pillsbury bought the Souverain Winery, they hired him as a consultant. So I got to see him even late in his life, thanks to Pillsbury at the time, an old Minneapolis company, uh, who went into the wine business for a very short window. And, but they brought Frank Soonmacher on board. And uh, I could say I got to be very good friends with him old, uh, late in his life, plus the fact his a young mentor, Mort Cheekman, was my mentor, in the wine business, and Mort is, I think, 96 years old now, and I, he's still going strong, which is <laughs> probably a good thing. You drink a lot of wine, you live a long time, I guess. But uh, Alexis Lachine was the arch-rival of Frank Soonmacher, but even Lachine went out to California to encourage them to use varietal names. But by using varietal names, it doesn't mean you should exclude everything else. Uh, and, and that wasn't just a thing done in the uh, United States. It was done all over the New World with wine. In New Zealand and Australia, they had hock, which was any kind of Riesling, or they had claret, which was any kind of Cabernet-type or Merlot-type blended in Burgundy, etc. And so those names were very common around the world. So when Soonmacher and Lachine started their campaign, it was an uphill struggle to get everybody... To, on board to start calling wines by their varietal name, and it wasn't really until the late 80s that they totally succeeded, and that was partially done by regulations and from the EU, etc. 
I talked a couple of weeks ago about the EU's deal with Prosecco. They changed the grape type, uh, the name of the grape type, which was Prosecco, uh, to uh, make Prosecco a geographic area, which it also was in there. So they could use the name Prosecco in Italy, but you couldn't make sparkling wine anywhere else in the world called Prosecco. And, uh, you know, when people do those kinds of things, there's usually good reason for it. The best wine from Australia for years was something called Grange Hermitage. And in 89, they had to drop the name Hermitage because of European regulation. That's a geographic site in the Rhone Valley and just called the wine Grange. And Grange is one of the greatest expressions of Syrah in the entire world and certainly a world-class wine that could take its place by, besides any of the great wines like Lafitte or Petrus or any of those great wines that we get from France or even Burgundy's, uh, Grange is a great, great wine. There's no question about that. But when you stick to one varietal, don't forget there's a variety of influences on that varietal, whether the varietal is Chardonnay or Cabernet or Merlot or whatever it happens to be, Riesling. The varieties are the soil, of course, the climate naturally, the harvest, how the hot wine and when the harvest takes place, fermentation, and general winemaking. So you can take that same grape type and uh, take it across the ocean to another continent, and you're going to come up with an entirely different kind of wine. In fact, in Burgundy, they often stress when you go through the little clamats in Burgundy, the little parcels of land, you can have a, a wine that's 100 yards, 100 yards, 10 yards from the uh, other Appalachian, and they're totally different So, uh, because of the soil content. So they, these influences are very important. So when you say, I'm a Cabernet man, uh, don't disparage specifically like Merlot. You know, the old movie, Sideways, uh, people are still recovering from uh, that make Merlot, recovering from that. A glass of Merlot is really a very pleasant wine, and Merlot is a soft, easy wine, or easy varietal to drink. And, uh, you know, if you ever enjoyed a Saint-Emilion or a Pomerol from France, those are pretty much all Merlot grapes. And the Merlot grape is really a very, very accessible grape. And I think that was one of the things about Sideways, it wasn't as sophisticated as Pinot Noir. And as I said, uh, Merlot still hasn't recovered from that movie, and that had to be 15, 18 years ago at least, that the Sideways was so popular where the guy had a snitzy fit because they, they were going to give him Merlot, you couldn't stand it, etc. But even in California now, we're getting more geographic-specific. If you're going to learn about wine, you really do have to learn a little bit about geography because Chianti is a place name, Chablis is a place name, Champagne is a place name, Pomard, place name, uh, even Prosecco is a place name. So that's important, and we are switching that a little bit in California. People now want Napa Cabernet, or Russian River Pinot Noir, or a Lodi Zinfandel, and those are the names of the geographic areas uh, where these wines or these varietals do very, very well, and thus the wine produced from those varietals in those specific geographic areas are pretty good as well. Um, you know the. the uh, you want to embolden yourself, 
and try other wine types. Uh, that, that's a great. I remember somebody once telling me years ago, how do you learn about wine? And the person that was with me on the panel says, get a corkscrew. And I open those bottles and taste them. And every time you open and taste a bottle of wine, it's like embarking on a new adventure. So when you embolden yourself to try these other wines, you know, some people don't like Merlot. Well, someday have a glass of Petrus, which is almost all Merlot. Petrus is thousands of dollars a bottle. And you'll see that that Merlot might be the most delicious wine you ever tasted. I personally have a little bias against Cabernet Franc. But I love Cheval Blanc, which is over 60% Cabernet Franc. So you really have to uh, explore a little bit. A grape name can be a crutch uh, where you don't try anything but that particular type of grape type. And, you know, you're really limiting yourself to... some great wines from around the world. The grape name on the bottle is a, not a reason not to try it, because you'll miss absolutely phenomenal adventures. Uh, people that say ABC, anything but Chardonnay, you're missing a whole area of fabulous Chardonnay from all over the world. Generally, when people taste Chablis, they don't believe that Chablis is 100% Chardonnay because it's crisp and acidic and actually reminds a lot of people of Sauvignon Blanc. And so, and that's just one grape type, one area. And just take that and extrapolate it out to all the wine areas around the world and what's produced in those areas. So instead of being like a Vikings or Packer fan and saying, I'm a Cabernet man or I'm a Pinot Noir man, why not be a universal man and try them all? They're exciting, in my opinion, and by eliminating all those others because you're just strictly a Cabernet man, you're missing some wonderful wine opportunities and some wonderful wines to taste and great adventures as you taste those delicious wines. I was going to say, too, Jack, you just said it. It's fun, too. You know, oh, absolutely. Like I said, you know, there was a book once that said, hand me that corkscrew Bacchus. And it, it's true. Every time you open a bottle of wine, it's a new adventure. Absolutely. And uh, believe me, there's nothing in the world that's more fun to me anyway than trying a new wine from all the different places in the world. Uh, sometimes you're going to be disappointed, but the time you're not disappointed, you're just never going to forget that particular wine. And boy, there's a lot of adventures to be had at any Haskell's location, especially now. That's right. We have our annual spring sale is on, or should we say spring slash winter sale, with all the snow and everything. But Haskell's has some phenomenal wine bargains for you. There's over 30 BOGOs. That's where you buy one bottle, get the second one absolutely free. And Haskell's love to talk about wine. So for your forthcoming holiday feast, stop in and see the folks at Haskell's. They can't make the dinner, but they can make the meal special by picking a perfect wine that will go perfectly with whatever you're fixing. And best of all, they're going to help you pick a wine that will not break the bank. We pride ourselves on being called the wine people. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Faribault right off of 35. Our super seller is not to be missed. In Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturdays and Sundays. At Minnetonka at Ridgedale, Plymouth Highland Village, St. Paul's Highland Village, Plymouth, 
Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, the folks at Haskell's are happy to deliver the wine directly to your home. Excellent. Well, Jack, let's see if spring will have sprung by the time we chat next Saturday. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Me too. Thank you, Jack. Jack Farrell from Haskell's, locally owned.